Hey, I am glad that you can be here today. It's a blessing to be in the house of God, to sing together and to listen to God's Word. And uh, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We'll get there eventually. Uh, But we're doing a series on growing in grace. Last week, we looked at receiving God's grace for salvation and receiving His grace for forgiveness in our lives and being able to overcome our failures and our failings and our sin because of God's grace. So uh, we looked at that last week. And today we're looking at showing grace to others, particularly those who are part of the household of faith, showing faith to other believers. Now, when I use the phrase household of faith, what do you think I'm talking about? The church at large, not just this church. We're a family of faith here. I I mean, uh, when I came to this church, Jim Reeves was introducing me to his brother Dick, and he said, hey, I'd like you to meet my dad, because Dick was a little older. And and I remember one day somebody asked me if I was Jim Reeves' son, and I said, yes. And Jerry was across the parking lot, and she yelled, I'm not old enough to be his mother. Uh, but we are family, and, and there's a familiness to it. There's there's a joy and a camaraderie, and, and Sunday's fun to come back to church. A couple of weeks ago, Kathy and I weren't here. We were in a church in Colorado, and actually a friend of mine who used to pastor in Arizona was the guest speaker there that day, so it was fun to see Gary. But, but it, it's a blessing here to be with our family in this place. But there are other Christians in Casa Grande. They're not quite right with God because they're not here. But no, no, listen, there are some other good churches in this town. And there's some really bad churches in this town. Now, what if somebody is a genuine believer, but they're in a church that's not teaching the truth of God's word? Are they still your brother and sister in Christ? What makes them your brother and sister in Christ? They're believers. They're adopted into the family of God. God makes them your family in the same way that God makes your biological kids your family. You don't get to choose them. My younger brother's adopted, and he said, Hey, mom and dad, mom went to the hospital, had you. The doctor said, Look, you brought this thing here. You take it home. He said, They chose me. Uh, they got stuck with you guys. But, but God chooses who our siblings are in Christ. And so I have friends that go to churches I would not be a member of. But they're still my brother and sister in Christ. So we're not just talking about how to get along with people at Victory Baptist Church. Because obviously we don't need that lesson because we all get along, right? Um, Now, this is about getting along with God's people and how we interact with them and how we work with them. Sometimes, I have been on the job, before I became a pastor, I worked with people who were of different faiths and some who were not of faith at all, and uh, as a business manager and executive. And so some of those people would come and they were in their church, but not in our in the church I went to. And I didn't think it was that good of a church, but at work, 
I, I mean, they were my brother and sister in Christ. And I had to recognize that and, and appreciate that and encourage them in their walk with the Lord, even if they would never attend my church. So Peter, Peter, we did a study on the life of Peter. We looked at him in the Gospels. We looked at him in the book of Acts. We've been looking through the letters that he wrote, First Peter, then Second Peter. We got all the way down to the end of Second Peter, and I'm going to take a month to finish it, you know. Those last two verses, especially the last one, when he says, Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in grace. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. We looked at different ways you can know Christ as a historical person, as your Savior, as your Lord, as somebody you're committed to serving with. And, and so now we're looking at this growing in grace because grace is not just something you get when you're saved. God gives you grace, and God wants you to grow in that grace. And today we're looking at sharing that grace to others. So if you're in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, jump all the way down almost to the end to verse 29. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. What would be a corrupt word? A lie? Did somebody say hatred? Did I hear that right? Okay. Slander? Yeah. Uh, something that hurts people. Now, sometimes parents have to discipline their kids, and that's okay. Sometimes bosses have to discipline employees. That's okay. Uh, but the way you do it, God really cares about. So let no corrupt communication out of your mouth. This is not just using swear words. This is using your mouth in a way that God would not approve of. Don't let those things come out of your mouth. Some of us are prone to harassing other people. You know, I was raised in a family where it was really fun to pick on other people. And if you ever made a mistake, you got slammed. And, and you know, how many of you have ever eaten an English muffin? Yeah. You know, I was 10 years old, 8 years old maybe, before I ever saw an English muffin. It's different culture. You young kids are like, what? How's that possible? Uh, but back then, you, you know, you had to go to New England to get English muffins just about. And I was in New England, and I was at my aunt's house, at my aunt and uncle, and my aunt gave us an English muffin. I had never seen an English muffin before. And I said, round toast? How cool is that? Who ever heard of round toast? And so my family to this day, I'll get a text message. Hey, I had a piece of round toast for breakfast today, Tara. You know, I, I, they never let me live it down. And so in my family, it was part of the family DNA to really harass each other. But God doesn't want his family to act like that. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. You see, grace affects your words. And, and this is important. Every word should be filtered through grace and planned to be helpful and constructive. 
Can you bring that up? Every word, helpful and constructive, filtered through grace. Every word. How many of you do that perfectly? No, you probably should be sitting there like, oh man, I wish. It's, it's almost impossible. But I want you to understand something. We are very forgiving of our own sins, aren't we? But God is not. God will forgive any sin. God will forgive every sin. But God calls sin, sin. He doesn't call it just, oh, I was just teasing. God said if it's not filtered through grace and helpful, it's not what he wants coming out of your mouth. And as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, he owns your body. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth that your body and your spirit belong to him. And so you need to use your body in a way that would please him. If your friendly banter between friends does not meet God's criteria, then you need to change the way you talk. Matthew 12, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I say unto you that every idle word men shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. By your word you will be justified, and by your word you will be condemned. So every word, every time, to every person, even online. See, I think the internet, and I'm not alone in thinking this, this is talked about a lot, the internet has hurt our social consciousness. People feel free to attack. And it's not just politicians who do this. People do this in their churches. They do this in their homes. They do this in their families. In fact, if you post something online, you put something on somebody's going to critique it. Somebody's going to attack it. And, and a lot of them are just snipey because they can be auto, uh, anonymous. You don't know who they are, but they're just letting you have it. In fact, they even have a, a name for those kind of people online. What's that word they call them? Trolls. Trolls. Like the troll in the Billy Goat's Gruff hiding under the bridge. And, Who's that clip-clopping on my bridge? You know? and, and that's the way people are online. And they attack. And sometimes, sometimes, Believers do this. So, hey, I love the grace that God gave to me. Don't you? The grace that we have received individually and personally. Isn't that great? And now Peter says, grow in grace. Now, I want you to remember where Peter came from. Peter was the guy who kind of grabbed Jesus by the shoulders and told him, no, Lord, that's not the way it's going to be. Peter was the guy we accuse of having foot-in-mouth disease, you know? 
In fact, his mouth was so big he could put both feet in at the same time. Peter was always saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. And yet Peter learned. And now Peter is an elder statesman, one of the old guys in the faith. Peter is saying, grow in grace. Not just the receiving of it, but the showing grace to others. Grow in that grace. In fact, grace is used in the Bible to apply to a lot of things, not just relationships. Paul told the believers in Corinth that he wanted them to abound in the grace of giving. Because as we give to the Lord, it's by grace. We're acknowledging the grace and love we receive from Him, and we're sharing it. And when you give to Victory Baptist Church, it helps missionaries who are living in other parts of the world that you and I might never see until we're in heaven. But they're serving God and we're helping to fund their missions. Some of them are in countries that American missionaries can't go. But we can fund them and help them and minister to them. So every word, every time, to every person, even online. Now, I'm not on Facebook, and part of that is self-defense. I am ADHD. I'm easily distracted, and I have to be aware of that. And I know that uh, my friends, uh, my kids told me there was this pastor. He was always on Facebook. Anytime any one of them went on Facebook early in the morning, late at night, he was always on Facebook. And I, I can't be that guy. And I know I would get distracted by, oh, what happened to this person and that person and this person and that person? You know, so I'm waiting till heaven and then all be answered for me. I don't have to chase it down. Uh, but, but if you're on Facebook, if you're doing Instagram, if you're tweeting, God wants you to show grace. I mean, he spelled it out. He said, let it be what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers, or in the written word, to the readers. You are an ambassador of grace for God on planet Earth. It's not natural. It's supernatural by the power of the Holy Spirit of God living inside you. God doesn't ask us to do what we're incapable of doing. You can do this. I can do this. Admittedly, it's a little easier for my wife than it is for me. Kathy's always been a nice person. I haven't always been. Early in my life, I was mean. And I grew up in a family that snarky was just normal. And God doesn't want that in any of us at any time. Now, let me give you a warning, okay? If you're at home and somebody else in your family speaks in a way that you don't think is appropriate, don't say, I'm going to tell pastor on you. I'm going to tell God on you. You can't talk to me like that. See, you are not the police person for your family. Even if you're the parent, you're not the family cop. You're the one that helps and trains and encourages. So 
If you're not the one individual in authority, then you just pray about it and you let it go and you make sure you're doing what's right even if they're not. Because I know a lot of siblings, they love to tattle on each other. And I don't think that would please God either because that's not showing grace, right? I think there's another verse here. Did you notice that? Verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So listen, he's saying, don't use your mouth in an inappropriate way. Use your mouth to show grace. Use your mouth to help build up and be constructive. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. There's a lot of believers who bring grief to the Holy Spirit of God. In the same way that some of your kids and grandkids can bring grief in your heart, God's kids can grieve the Holy Spirit. So secondly, first, as grace affects your words, every word should be filtered through grace and planned to be helpful and constructive. The second, grace affects your heart. You do not hold on to grudges. You do not intentionally say or do something that could hurt someone else. Do you notice something a little odd about this picture? What's odd? Yeah, the guy on the right is talking to a statue. And hopefully the statue is not talking back, right? (laughs) Otherwise the guy on the right has more problems than that. But see, I use this picture on purpose because when you speak to someone, they're not a statue. They don't just hear your words. They hear your words in the context of their life. And so there was a word that my family used that didn't mean much of anything. And I said it in front of Kathy one day when we were dating and she was shocked that I would swear. In her family, it was a swear word. In my family, it was kind of a junk word. It didn't really mean anything. I was raised on military bases and military homes, and sometimes the language is a little more coarse in those environments, and it was, and I shocked her. People don't hear words based on what you're actually saying. They hear words filtered through their life experience and history. As newlyweds, Kathy and I were playing a game, and I won. And she said, cheater. Now see, in my family, calling someone a cheater, that was fighting words, you know. That's like back in the Old West playing poker, and somebody called you a cheater, you grabbed for your six-gun. And she said, cheater, and I went ballistic. And in her family, that was a joke. Kathy's mom actually kept a score sheet, and she would put on the score sheet when she was playing games with Ed, it would say, me and cheater. And that's just how she did it. So in her family, cheater was this affectionate, hey, you won. And in my family, it was a bam, right in your face. And so I responded that way. She couldn't understand what was wrong with me. She still wonders that sometimes. But people don't just hear your words. 
They hear it filtered through their own culture, their own personal experience. And so look at verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Take those things, the, the hatred, the anger, the, and just get rid of all of those things. And don't you be the person that holds grudges. Somebody said, a grudge is the only thing that gets worse when you nurse it. You nurse a grudge, it gets worse. Most things get better by nursing. But what you need to do, you need to let it go. And we'll, in a couple of weeks, we'll talk about how to let it go. But, but you have to intentionally choose to be a person of grace a person who shows grace to others. That, that you will not intentionally say or do something that might hurt someone else. And so you know what else? When you are the recipient of somebody saying something that hurt you, like I was when Kathy said, cheater, what I should have done is I should have filtered it through the lens of what I knew of her heart. Would she intentionally attack me? No. Would she intentionally say something to really upset me? No. So I could have responded calmly and said, you know, I don't know what your family did using the word cheater, but in my family, if somebody was called a cheater, it usually ended in a bloody nose. You want one? She definitely would have said no, thank you. See, you, you be the one that shows grace even when someone else offends you, you have to think, okay, I'm, they're using a different filter than I am. Their life experience, their history is different than mine. And so they may mean it in a different way. Maybe they don't. Maybe they're just trying to be mean and hurtful. But you show grace, giving them the benefit of the doubt. In our culture today, we don't believe in the benefit of the doubt. Somebody says one little thing, one tiny way, a little bit wrong, one time, and it makes headlines all around the world. But we need to show grace. So from your side, your perspective, you set all that aside. And then verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You have to work to show grace to people who have annoyed or even hurt you. Work to show grace to them. The first thing he says is, be kind. You know, wouldn't it be great if at your eulogy, after you have died, people could stand up and talk about what a kind person you were? Not that you were kind of ornery and kind of obnoxious, but that you were just actually kind that you were a nice person. He says to, to be kind. And then he says to be tender-hearted. What does it mean to be tender-hearted? Compassionate? Humility? Sensitive? You're listening and you're caring about that person. So, 
<laughs> yeah, I, I was at Walmart uh, yesterday, yesterday morning. I was at Walmart and had to get in and get something. Unfortunately, I needed it. it. was near the pharmacy. Got in, got it, self-checked, got out. And it took me longer to find my car than it did to go buy what I wanted. And there was this lady who came walking across an aisle, and she looked at something, and she frowned, and she just turned around. Sorry, that was close. She just turned around and started walking back. Just instantly, just pivot and turn. And this other lady was walking with her cart. And so she had walked right in front of this lady. And the lady started to go around her. And then she pivoted and went right back. And the lady, younger lady, had to pull her cart back to keep from knocking this lady over. And I said to the younger lady with the cart, I said, I'm glad you were paying attention. And her face went from this fierce scowl to a pleasant smile. She was really upset at what that lady did, but then she, yeah, I, I was paying attention, and I helped things be better. You can be an instrument of grace. I've never seen that lady before or since, either one of them. But you can be an instrument of grace. And how many of you, honest confession time, how many of you have ever been annoyed by somebody else? Huh? Yeah. It happens, doesn't it? So what do you do about it? Do you do like a former member of our church who said, I don't get mad, I get even, when I was counseling with him, trying to help him come to this understanding? He's not in church anymore. He made life choices that were not consistent with what the Bible taught. And he ignored the revealed Word of God. And his life has suffered because of it. It's hard to forgive people. It's hard to show grace to people. It's easier to want to pay them back. I, I used to be that kind of driver. You know, if somebody cut me off, I would try and get ahead of them and cut them off. Now if somebody cuts me off, I slow down. Let them go mess with those other people up there and leave me alone. We need to learn to show grace even when we've been annoyed, even when we've been hurt. Be kind, be tender-hearted, be forgiving, he says. Um, and uh, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ forgave you. Now, I, I heard a preacher, uh, Kathy and I were up in North Phoenix, and this preacher, we'd gone to a, actually we'd gone to an assembly, it was for a group of pastors and wives, and I'm not sure how we got invited, but we did. And so we went, you know, it was a free lunch, and <laughs> and and I really wanted to meet the two of the speakers that were there that day. Uh, but then there was this third speaker, and I had never heard his name before in my life. And I'll never forget him. And I remember his name, but I'm not going to share it with you and distract you today. But, but he, as he was talking about his message, he said, here's what happens when you forgive people as God for Christ's sake forgave you. How does God forgive you for Christ's sake? He looks at what Christ did on the cross, and he says, Jesus paid the penalty for that sin, so I can now forgive you in Christ. 
That's how God does it, right? Right? As God, for Christ's sake, forgave you. And so here's how you forgive others. You say, Jesus paid the penalty for that sin on the cross, and so now I can forgive you because of what Jesus did. And then he said something I'll never forget. He said, if you don't forgive them that way, then you're looking at Jesus on the cross and you're saying, that wasn't good enough. They still owe me. To profoundly change the way I forgive people. You forgive them as God, for Christ's sake, forgave you. You forgive the way God forgave because Christ paid the penalty for their sin. God doesn't say, oh, well, it wasn't that big of a sin. I'm just going to let it go. God doesn't say, oh, well, that sin, yeah, it really bothered me, but I don't want to be burdened by it, so I'm going to let it go. No, God says, Jesus paid the penalty for that sin, so I'm going to let that sin be between that person and Jesus. And if that person receives Jesus, that sin's forgiven. If that person does not, the sin is, has to be paid for, but Jesus Christ is the judge. That's what the Bible says. He is the final judge. And so God said, that sin is between you and my son. And if you receive him, your sin's forgiven. If you don't, you will face the consequences, the eternal consequences of that sin. So we work to show grace to people who've annoyed us and hurt us. And number four, by grace, you can adjust your thoughts and your behavior to the any circumstance or in any circumstance. That's a couple slides up. Jump to that. By grace, you can adjust your thoughts and your behavior. In, no, jump ahead. Don't just forward through, okay? In any circumstance. By grace, you can do this. I love this picture. Do you ever see in a football game a player and the referee laughing and talking together? I have after the game was over, not during the game. But by grace, you adjust your thoughts and your behavior. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We're going to read some verses here in a moment. But, but even online, in any anonymous response to people you might never meet, you have to think about what you say and how you say it. It needs to be with grace designed to help and build up and be constructive. So here in Romans chapter 12, I jump down to verse 10. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. He's writing to Christians. Be kindly affectionate one another to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another. Now, I have two brothers still alive, one brother in heaven, two brothers still alive, two sisters still alive. And we love each other. We enjoy each other. When we can get together, we enjoy it. But our lives are different. 
Our, our thoughts, our plans, our intentions are different. The way we spend our time and spend our money and what we do is different. And, and of all my siblings, I'm the one who's the most committed to being in church. You know, when we go on vacation, we're in another church. When, uh, when we're here, we're here. When we're in town and physically able to be here, we're here. And uh, some of them don't go as often. Some serve regularly in their church, but, but some don't. But you know what? When we get together... We overlook our differences. We don't fuss and harp about the, the things that are different. We just try and show love based on what we share. We share DNA. We share a commonality of language and history. And in fact, in my family, there were four kids and then a 12-year gap and then two more. And so I was the youngest of the first four and then when I was 12, I had a little sister, and then when I was 13 and a half, a little brother. And so when there's a gap, and so us older kids, uh, we remember living all over the place. When Dad was in the Air Force, and we moved. In fact, we moved so often that I remember my dad calling on me to pray when we'd moved into this new home, and it was our first dinner in this new home, and I prayed and I thanked God for bringing us safely there and asked him to watch over us when we moved from here to another place. We had just moved in, and I was already praying that because that's just what life is like. Back then, it was a lot worse than it is now. The military just kept moving you a lot. And so people say, where were you raised? Where were you born? Well, that's easy. Tucson. Where were you raised? Actually, the western U.S. I never was, I visited all of the contiguous states, but I never lived in anything east of Nebraska. But I lived in Arizona seven different times, Nebraska, New Mexico, Texas twice, three times in Texas, Idaho, California twice, just, just moving around and going, and that's just what life was. But in all of these circumstances, my siblings and I grew together. And so we're different. We had different interests, different skills. My brothers were really good at baseball, basketball, football. I was really good at running straight lines. You know, that was it. Uh, They could do all that other stuff. And so when we played Little League Baseball, I sat on the bench and they played in the All-Star games. Uh, But But God knit us together. And, you know, that's true in our family of faith, too. There are believers who, for one reason or another, would not be comfortable in our church, and yet they're still part of our family of faith, and we still show grace. We don't join with them necessarily, but we do show grace. When we're together, we don't put them down. We don't crusade against them. If they're teaching biblical error, we're we're okay with sharing that. We're okay with saying that's not right, but we do it in a way that is called speaking the truth in love, not attacking. So Paul says here to the believers in Rome that you are to um, love one another, uh, be kindly affectioned in brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. So we, we show kindness and grace to our fellow believers, not lagging in diligence, Fervent in spirit. Some people aren't very committed to doing much of anything. Some people, they just want to be comfortable, and God wants us to be conformable. So not lagging in diligence. Don't be lazy. Get involved and serve and minister and care. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. And then verse 12, 
rejoicing in hope. What is the blessed hope that we all share? We're going to be with Christ. Right? Heaven, baby. Right? We're, we're going to be there with the Lord someday. When? Could be today. If it is today, I hope it's for all of us, not just for me. Okay? I, I don't want to die. I want, I want the upper taker, not the undertaker. But, but listen, even when we die, we go to be with the Lord. Kathy and I were standing together, holding hands when my mom died. Standing in the room, family gathered around. And, and you could just really sense that absent from the body, present with the Lord. Just like the Bible says. And, and so we all have that glorious hope that the worst this world could do is put us to death and we're with the Lord. So we have that hope. Now, we have different dreams. You know, uh, there, there may be people in here who prefer to drive a Ford or prefer to drive a Chevy or prefer to drive a foreign car. Or in Texas, what they told me in my church when I showed up with a foreign car, that truck, company truck, it was foreign make, you're driving a fern truck. And no, no, it's made out of metal, not fern trees. But anyway, uh, but, but we have different dreams in life right now. But the ultimate end goal is the same. We go to the same place, hopefully all at the same time. That would be a blessing if God called us all home together. So rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. I've shared for years, I, I would be stressed by the way people drove or didn't drive, didn't pay attention to their driving. We even came up with a term for people who are oblivious and driving like an idiot. They're oblivious. Uh, but, but the other day, I was on my way home from Chandler, and I sent a picture to Kathy and Megan and said, I'm in a parking lot on I-10. And it was completely stopped. And it took an hour and a half to go 30 miles. And for a long time, we were just parked. And so Kathy went online and she checked the, the Arizona DPS, whatever the group that does the highway system and everything. There was absolutely nothing wrong with I-10 westbound. The problem was eastbound. There was an accident. And so the gawkers, the rubberneckers, right? They were driving by going really slow, so the car behind him had to slow down. The car behind them, for 20 miles, the backup built up because somebody wanted to look at what was going on on the other side of the road. And you know what? A few years ago, that would have made me mad. I would have been adding new finger grips to my steering wheel. I would have been shaking it back and forth. But I never travel without food and water. That helps, especially when you're diabetic. And, but I usually have a, a book. So I had an audio book playing. And I was listening to this audio book and think, you know, I could pay more attention to this audio book because we're stopped. And, and I was listening. I was enjoying. And I was okay. Will I be next time? Hopefully. We learn. We grow. 
I rarely get angry at traffic anymore. Kathy likes riding with me a lot more now, by the way. So, so get committed to, he says in verse 13, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. That's where we share our time, our money, our energy to help this church and other ministries through this church to help each other, to care for one another. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. That's a challenge. But you can do it. And I'll I'll be honest with you, the hardest thing is not when they persecute you, but when they persecute someone you love. If they're persecuting your kid or your grandkid or your spouse, that's a lot harder to take than if they're persecuting you but you can still show love by God's grace. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind one to another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible... As much as depend on you, live peaceably with all men. Jump down to verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. By grace, you can adjust your thoughts and behavior in any circumstance. Galatians 5.13, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only use not your liberty as an opportunity or an occasion to the flesh, but through love. Serve one another. Paul told the believers in Rome, in Corinth, and in Thessalonica to greet one another with a holy kiss. We do the holy handshake or the holy hug. We don't do the holy kiss. But Peter told them to greet one another with a kiss of charity. Kissing was the normal thing in their culture. And in fact, when Kathy and I were in Cuba ministering there for Christ uh, and after the service, and before, people would come up and you give a little hug and you kiss both cheeks. And we, we, it was a little odd at first. Uh, you know, you go up to shake their hand and they push that out of the way, and they grab you, and they kiss both cheeks. That's okay. We do it a little differently. I'm more comfortable with a handshake thing. I'm only comfortable kissing one person, and she's happy for that. But but we show God's grace to other people. We interact in a way that pleases the Lord and makes life just a little bit easier for those other people. And you know what's really cool? By God's grace, when we try and minister to others to make their life a little easier, he ministers to us and takes some of the rough edges out of our life. But if we're all about us, he leaves those rough edges there. And life is more challenging when you're not showing grace. And lastly, grace must be received and then shared. Grace must be received and then shared. I was listening to a message this week 
sorry, I can't remember the name of the guy who was who was preaching it. I don't remember whether it was a podcast I was listening to or a sermon I was listening to. But but he said the way the average believer lives, we don't live as if we believe hell is real. Because if we believed hell was real, we'd show more grace and more kindness and spend more time ministering to other people and trying to share the gospel with them if we really believed hell was real. Someday you're going to stand before the Lord, and so am I. And I don't believe there's going to be a medallion for the person who showed the most grace in their life on planet Earth. But I do know this. If you show grace now, you'll be glad then. If you're ministering for Christ, showing grace now, you'll be rewarded then. You might not get a medallion that says the most humble person on planet Earth. You heard about the church that gave a guy a medallion for being the most humble guy in the church. They had to take it away from him because he wore it. (laughs) Grace must be received and then shared. You've never arrived. You don't arrive until you're in heaven. There's always room for growth as long as you're breathing on planet Earth. Father, I pray that we would be not just people known by your word, not just people who are committed to following the truths that you taught in the word of God, but people who are committed to showing your heart by showing grace to other people. In Jesus' name, amen.